Hi, welcome to Pitt Town Church. We are so glad that you're listening to this podcast. We pray that this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus. If you would like more information, check out our website at www.pitttownchurch.com. Tonight's Bible reading is uh, from Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19. Don't collect yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But collect yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can be a slave of two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and of money. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the God who speaks. You haven't left us alone just to figure it out, but you have given us your word and you speak to us and meet us in it. So, Father, we pray now as we come to now think about your word that's been read out for us. Father, we pray and ask that you would teach us, help us, and as we think about lordship and masters, Father, we ask that we would each submit to your word, and we pray that in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, no one likes being ripped off. No one likes being scammed. All of us want to be able to tell what's fake and what's real, what's genuine, and what's false. And it's always hardest when the fake and the genuine look really similar or when you won't be able to tell if the thing is real or not until it's too late, until it's been happening for a while. Sometimes it's easy to spot something that's fake. You know, it's, it's the person on the street who tries to sell you a genuine Abadass t-shirt. You're just like the old Abadass, I can spot a fake a mile away. But other times it's, it's harder and it, it can be hard to tell when you don't have the expertise to know what is true and what isn't, what is genuine and what's counterfeit. There are most things in life I think I don't know, I don't understand. I'm ignorant about most things. But one of the things that I don't know much about is cars. Like I, I know what they are, I've seen a car, but I don't really know much about how they work. And so when I take my car to get serviced regularly, as we've already discussed this evening, as I take my car to the mechanic to fix it, that person could just tell me any old rubbish and I would believe them I would say thank you and I would pay them money. They could say to me, yeah, mate, uh, look, as we looked on it, uh, you, we, had to change your, we had to change your transmission. It uh, had low self-esteem. 
and uh, we had to uh, take your tires out for coffee. They had to go on a spiritual journey of introspection to find their inner tube. <laughs> we had to uh, take out all the grub nuts. They were leaking everywhere. And uh, we found a tiny unicorn in your engine. It was uh, using your pistons as a toilet. <laughs> so we had to flush him out and uh, change all your filters. And, and if they said that to me, I would say, wow, no, uh, wow, that sounds really, sounds really like serious. I, uh, I can't have a unicorn in there. I'm, I'm about to go on a long trip. I can't. Thank you. Thank you. How much is that? Is that like a few thousand? Yeah, sure. Yep. Thank you. Because I don't know. And so I can't tell what's true and what's not true. And we want to know what's real and what's genuine and what's fake and fraudulent and, and counterfeit. And it's the same with people too. We want to know that people are real and, and, and genuine. And sometimes it can be quite hard to tell whether this person is genuinely being nice or whether they're just faking it or whether I really know the true person or whether this is all just a facade. And if you've ever had that experience where you thought you knew someone, maybe a, a friend or a member of your family or maybe even a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and then it, it, you thought that you knew them and then it felt like at some point they just pulled the mask off and they were just like, surprise, it's me. And you're just like, I, 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 thought, I thought I knew, but you're just a totally different person. And if you've ever had that moment, you know how it can, how it can wreck you when you think you know someone, when you think you know the genuine and it just turned out the whole time they were a fake. And, you know, wouldn't it be a tragedy if you went through your whole life and you thought you knew the point, you thought you knew what was valuable and what was important, and wouldn't it be a tragedy if you got to the very end or maybe never at all realised that you had made a mistake and you'd got it wrong and what you thought was real and valuable and precious actually turned out to be fake and phony and counterfeit. Because in our passage this week, Jesus is going to help us to distinguish between what's genuine and what's counterfeit, what's real treasure and what's just fake treasure. So we're in Matthew chapter 6, if you accidentally closed it, and we're picking it up in verse 19. Just to remind you where we're up to, Jesus has gathered his disciples and he is teaching them and training them what it means to follow him and what it looks like now that they're a part of his team. And if you were here last week, you'll remember Tim was preaching and Jesus was warning us about the difference between doing good things and doing our acts of righteousness in front of people when they see them and then doing our good things and our acts of righteousness in front of people so that they see them. 
And Tim was asking us to think about why we do the things that we do. And, and we saw last week that what we're supposed to be doing is thinking about the reward. That if we do stuff just for the applause and to impress people, then that's all the reward that we'll get paid in full. But what we should be thinking about is God's reward. And now this week in our passage, Jesus turns to ask the question, but how does seeking God's reward, how does seeking God's approval, treasure in heaven, relate to treasures here on earth? And how does that impact our life and our heart? And what he's going to do is he's going to set up this whole collection of contrasts. It's going to be either this or it's this. And the reason why he talks about this is because more than almost anything else, money connects right in directly to your heart. And so money can mess you up if you're not thoughtful about it and careful about how you think about it. So Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19, we're going to see the first of these contrasts. The first one here is a tale of two treasures. Verse 19, he says, Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So you see how there's two treasures. There's earthly treasure and then there's heavenly treasure. Now, we know what earthly treasures are. It's things that are valuable. It's things like silver and gold and diamonds and jewellery and cars and houses and boats and houseboats, and phones, and cameras, and TVs, and chandeliers, and artworks, and Caesar stone, and polished concrete floors, and share portfolios, and all the things. You know what these are, earthly treasures. But then there's heavenly treasure, treasure in heaven. And that's a bit harder to know what Jesus means, because he doesn't define it or really describe it, but you kind of get the gist of it. From what Jesus has already been talking about, it's to do with the approval of God himself. It's his eternal reward. It's things that cannot be taken away from you and things that last forever. It's the kingdom advancing. It's the gospel spreading It's people who will be with you in the new creation. It's the new creation itself. It's God's approval and reward. So in summing up, it's the constitution, it's Marbo, it's justice, it's the vibe. And similar to last week, the important thing here is Jesus doesn't say don't pursue treasure. That's not what he says. He says, pursue treasure. He says, just don't be dumb about pursuing treasure. Be smart about it when you do it. His point is, 
earthly treasure isn't actually treasure. Earthly treasure doesn't last. Earthly treasure can be lost or broken or snapped or smashed or dropped or flushed or stolen or eroded or corroded. It can be, sus- it can be superseded and made obsolete. It can be taxed and burnt or crashed or depreciate or swallowed by inflation or swallowed by a flood and on and on. Every time that you see a garage sale or a council cleanup or you go to the tip, what you're seeing is the true face of earthly treasure revealed. Because all of that stuff, earthly treasure is just future junk. That's all it is. Whenever you chuck out an old TV or an old piece of furniture or an old computer or an old mobile phone or old clothes, when you bought those things, they were probably expensive. They were probably top of the line. You probably loved them. You probably couldn't live without them. They were probably the favorite thing in the house. But what happens is over time, treasure just becomes future junk and you chuck it out. And so Jesus' point is, if you had to pick between accumulating treasure that was guaranteed not to last or accumulating treasure that was guaranteed to last forever, his point is, why would you choose not yet garbage? Why would you choose future junk instead of choosing treasure that lasts forever? And so he says, look at the world properly and see things for how they really are. Be smarter. Treasure that's actually just future junk isn't really treasure. It's just masquerading as treasure. But council cleanups, garage sales, all those things reveal to us the true face of all our earthly treasure. And so he says, instead, pursue actual treasure rather than counterfeit imitation treasure. And then he says, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart and your treasure, your possessions, your money, they're connected. Now, does he mean that where you focus your treasure, your heart will eventually end up there too? Or does he mean that where your treasure is, that's also where your heart already is? And the answer is, his point's not what order it happens in. His point is, this is how it always ends up. So the point's not, the treasure goes first and then my heart follows, or my heart goes somewhere and then my treasure follows. That's not the point. The point is, in the end, they'll end up at the same place. And so if you, for example, if your heart goes towards some cause that you love, then soon you will find yourself spending money 
on that cause. But also, if you find yourself spending your money over here in this area, then eventually you will find that your heart will also end up in that same area. The point is your heart and your treasure are in a bit of a feedback loop with each other and they'll eventually spiral into the same place. That's his point. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so you'll put your treasure towards the things that you treasure. And the values and priorities of your life will move towards where you invest your money. What you value, where your heart is, is what you will sacrifice for. That's just true of life, right? Where your heart is, what you value is what you will sacrifice for. But what does it mean to sacrifice something? Well, to sacrifice is when you give up something that you love in order to have something else that you love even more. That's just what it means. Let me say that again. It's when you give up something that you love so that you can have something that you love even more. That's what it means to sacrifice anything. And it's so normal. This happens all the time. I, all the time, give up money for the things that I want more than money. So I will give up money so that I can have a KFC Ultimate Burger Box. And I do that all the time. And it's not, this is not complicated. Now, it's not, it's not some ephemeral thought. It's obvious. You do this all the time. I, I love, I love KFC. And you know I love it because it is all over my bank statement. And I give up money for KFC all the time. More than once a week, every week. <laughs> Nixon, the kids sometimes go and see one of her friends who lives up the, up the coast and they'll be gone for a week or more. And I would have KFC every, every day if I knew that she would never find out. <laughs> I give up money all the time for the things that I love more than money. And KFC is one of them. And you do this too. Every time you buy anything, you say, I want this more than I want money. This is just normal, obvious. It's not complicated. I love KFC and I give up money all the time so I can have it because I love it. But I love other things too. I love the kingdom of God and I love seeing people hearing more about Jesus. I love seeing people come to know Jesus and be built up in him and sent out for him. I love it when God is glorified in people's lives more and more. And so I give up money 
so I can have more of that happening, right? It's not complicated. It's just, this is what normally happens. You give up money for the things that you love. You do it all the time. Next week, we're launching our Heart for Home, like we already briefly mentioned. And I love seeing people trained up to be more effective in full-time ministry. I love making sure our facilities and our property are welcoming and helpful for people when they come. I love alleviating the suffering of the poor and I will give up money so that those things can happen because I love them, right? It's not complicated. Giving up money is not hard. Sometimes people think it is hard, but it's actually not. You do it all the time. You give up money all the time for the things that you love more than money. The question is, what do you love? The question is, what what do you really love? Because that's what you'll give up money for. And then in, in verse 22, Jesus moves on from the two treasures to talk about two different kinds of eyes, two different kinds of vision. And the imagery he uses is a bit complicated because I don't think we normally think like this. Verse 22, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? That's pretty weird, isn't it? And I just think if you just cut this part out and you just went from verse 21 to verse 24, it'd flow heaps more easily. So it would just go, collect for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth or rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can be a slave of two masters since either he'll hate one and love the other, blah, blah, blah. That sounds heaps better. Flows heaps more nicely. But instead, Jesus sticks this thing in about eyes that doesn't really seem that connected to anything that he's talking about. For some of us, these verses will just make sense immediately. But for others others of us, it'll just be fully discombobulating. What is he talking about? And, and the key is how you think about your eyes. So some of us, maybe most of us, would think that our eyes are how we see out into the world. Like I'm in here and I'm looking out my eyes and I see everything. And so then if my eyes are lamps, then it's like how light is shining out into the world. And then we're back to being salt and light and having lamps under a basket. And it all gets very complicated and confusing. But others of us will think about our eyes in terms of how light gets in. Rather than light coming out this way, it's about how light comes in this way. And this is more like what Jesus is talking about. The light is coming in. So it's like, okay, now we're kind of getting somewhere. So he says, if your eye is good, 
your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. In other words, he says, how you view the world determines whether you're in darkness or not. And when he uses the word good, the word he means is singular, focused. Your eye is single, undivided. That's the word he uses. The good eye is the eye of undivided loyalty. The eye that's fixed on God and is content in its concentration. And so the good eye is focused on God and, and, and committed to him above everything else, whereas the bad eye, the evil eye, is always lo- looking around at everything else and not committed to anything but looking at everything. The good eye sees God as great, as, as a treasure, not money. The good eye is the single eye. It treasures God. It sees God as beautiful, God as precious, God as treasure. The good eye, the single eye, the undivided eye, sees heavenly treasure as infinitely precious and earthly treasure as not as much. When your eye sees things this way, undivided heavenly treasure as infinitely precious. When your eyes like this, then you are full of light. You see the world like it really is. And if you don't see things this way, then even the light that you think you see, the glitz and the glamour and the flash and the sparkle and the shine and the sizzle of worldly treasure, the light that you think you see is actually darkness. And so it's fake treasure, it's future junk. And when you think that counterfeit treasure is the genuine article, when you think cubic zirconia are real, real diamonds, when you think monopoly money is legal tender, when you think dark is light, then you really don't see the world as it actually is. When the light you see is actually dark, then how deep is that darkness? Which then brings us to the two masters. So just to recap, there's two treasures, earthly treasure and heavenly treasure. Earthly treasure is just future junk. Heavenly treasure lasts forever. And then there's two kinds of eyes, the undivided eye that's committed to God above all things and sees heavenly treasure as infinitely precious, which then leads us to the two masters. And this is what Jesus has really been talking about this whole time. Verse 24, he says, no one can be a slave of two masters since either he'll hate one and love the other or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and of money. Now, at first, perhaps, this verse might not make a whole lot of sense because you think to yourself, of course I can serve two masters. Why can't I? My wife, at 
one point had two part-time jobs. She had two masters, two bosses, and she served them both. But then there was a point where they both wanted her to work the same shift at the same time, and then she couldn't serve them both. She had to pick one. Or like imagine you're learning how to drive and you're, you're behind the wheel. Let's say mum is next to you in the front and dad is in the back. And imagine you're driving along and at some point, mum just calmly says, um, excuse me, but I do believe you should uh, go a bit slower at this exact moment in time. And then your dad from the back is like, go faster, give it some gas, engage the nitrous. <laughs> then you can't obey them both. You have to pick one. So it's like, all right, let's agree on that. You can't serve two masters, not really. And you certainly can't be a slave to two, right? There's no such thing as a part-time slave. If you're a slave, everything you have belongs to that master. So, okay, sure, we're on board with that. But then he says, you cannot be slaves of God and of money. Now, when Jesus says money here, he doesn't mean cash. Because like we've already said, you always give up money to get the things that you want even more than money. We're always constantly giving away money. The word Jesus uses here is mammon, which is an Aramaic word that means like wealth or possessions. It's the things that you would buy with your money, the things you would exchange it for that you love the most. It's like that. And so then the question is, how do you be a slave to mammon, possessions, money? How do you serve money? Maybe you've never really thought about that. How do, what does it mean to serve money? Money doesn't need my help. I'm, I'm not lending money a hand. How do I serve money? But then at the same time, God doesn't need your help either. You don't lend God a hand either. So how do you serve God? When I serve you, what I do is I put my power and my effort at your disposal to do something for you that you can't do or that you won't do yourself, right? That's what it means. I put my power or my effort at your disposal so that I can do for you something that you can't do or that you won't do yourself. So when you come to my house, I might serve you a tea because for most people, you won't just come to my house and start opening cupboards and trying to find a mug and put the jug on and find the tea in the cupboard and make it yourself. You just won't. Most people don't do that. You'll come and I will get a mug and the tea and I'll make the tea. I'll do something for you that you won't do yourself and I'll serve you the tea. But that's not how you serve money. That's, that's not how you, how you do it. So then what do you do when you serve money? 
well, we don't serve money by putting our power at its disposal for its good. When we serve money, we organize our life, you organize your life and everything you do, your behaviors and how you spend your time, you organize everything to get into a position to maximize the benefits that money can give you. And, and to maximize the pleasure that can be found in money. That's what it means to serve money. You do what's necessary so that money's power can be at your disposal. And to serve God means the same thing. It means you organize your life and everything that you do, how you behave and how you use your time. You organize everything to get into a position to maximize the benefits that God can give you in Christ and so that you can maximize the pleasures that can be found in him. Salvation, forgiveness, all these things. And so money makes promises and you serve money by believing its promises and living by faith in them. Money makes promises like, if you have money, you'll be safe. If you have money, you'll have security. If you have money, then your future is under control. If you have money, then you'll be okay. If you have money, then you'll be provided for. If you have money, then you'll be content. If you have money, then you'll be satisfied. If you have money, then you'll have true and lasting treasure. They're promises that money makes to you. And you serve money by believing those promises and then by living by faith in them. And it's the same when it comes to God. God makes promises. And you serve God by believing his promises and living by faith in them. Promises like, if you have God, you'll be safe. If you have him, you'll be okay. If you have him, you'll have security. If you have him, your future's under control. If you have him, you'll be provided for. If you have him, you'll be content. If you have him, you'll be satisfied. If you have him, you'll have true and lasting treasure. God makes promises and you serve him by believing those promises and living by faith in them. And it's either one or the other, but it can't be both. And Jesus is pressing us, where do your loyalties lie? What do you love really the most? Which one are you willing to give up in order to have the other one? Because where you put your money will always tell you where your heart is. And it will always show you who your true master is. The way you show that you're not mastered by something is to give it away. And if you can't give it away, then that shows that you're still mastered by it. And again, that's just true of life. And this happens 
all the time. You give up money so that you can have the things that you really want. And Jesus says we can't serve both masters, God and mammon. People will either give up money for the sake of God or they'll start giving up on God for the sake of money. And which one are you? When it comes to treasure, Jesus wants us to be smart. And he wants us to pursue genuine treasure rather than temporary, counterfeit, fool's gold treasure. Earthly treasure isn't treasure. It's just future junk. Money's not real treasure. No one thinks it is. Everyone gives up money to get the things that they really love. And so the question is, what do you really love? And so pretty much like every week so far in this Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus is doing is he's asking questions about our heart and about what it is we love. What is it that you really love? And what are you willing to give up in order to have it? As Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For you cannot be slaves of both God and money. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for his clarity and his insight. And Father, we pray that you would help us to be smart, to pursue real treasure, not not just future junk, but that we would invest our money in the things that we love and the things that last. And Father, we pray that you would help us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.